Glory to God. Ah, oh, if you can be seated in heavenly places on the right hand side of the Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, he's given us strength to run on. Oh, I know he has. I know he has. Glory to God. Oh, he just let me know something today. Oh, truly the battle is not ours. It is the Lord. Oh, give him full reigns of your life today. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. There's a new joy in my spirit today. I don't know about you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm hungry to see what God is going to say. I've worked on it, but I tell you what God does, the ultimate work. <laughs> now he's going to speak. Glory to God. Wow. Jump right into it. Glory to God. God wants to talk to us today about to will and to do. He wants to talk to you about to will and to do, or to will and to work. <laughs> you can replace the word do with the word work, but to will and to do. He wants to let you know that he is the cause of the effect of your will and your work. Amen. I want to talk to you briefly about the word will, W-I-L-L. -L. What really is our will? And before we really talk about will, I want you to know that after the fall of man, God is still seeking one thing. After the fall of man, God is still seeking one thing, the will of man. He's still trying to seek and to take hold of your will. Because this is the thing that you're still deciding and making choices through your will. You are deciding whether you will praise him. You're deciding whether you will worship him. You're deciding whether you will obey him in all his commands. This is why he is talking to the body of Christ now about your will. He said he's still seeking that, the will of man. Just to think about after the fall, how he's still seeking our will and why we have not relinquished our will to God. How can we sit lethargic, spaced out in the presence of your creator? Why do we have to be told to stand and on your feet in reverence who created you? who has given you the ability to live and to exist and to have whatever you possess. How come we have to say to you, remind you, that he says to be propped with his appointment with him? Why? Because you still have your will. You have not 
submitted and surrendered your will to God. This is a really tough subject because the will of man is one of the strongest forces in the earth besides Holy Spirit. They are the two strongest forces in the world, your will and Holy Spirit. This is why Holy Spirit, this is why you have to be baptized in his spirit so that he can now take over your will and cause you to love him. Not make you, because you still have your will. He is a fair and just God. But to serve him, you can't serve him out of your will. So the question is, when will you surrender your will? When will you really be an authentic Christian? A Christian have no will except the will of the Father. Sacrifice, Pastor, you're right, has no will except the will of who's in authority. But we still, wants to, we still want to be in authority over our own lives. We want to dictate and decide what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. God has made it very clear if you are my disciple and if you are called by my name, you must first die to your will. He said, if you're called to be mine and you are worshiping me, you must die to your will and pick up your cross and follow me for the rest of your life. Not some days of the week. He said, every day, pick up your cross. Pick up your suffering. Pick up your sacrifices. Pick up your redemption, your righteousness, and whom you were called. So you go other places, you're not going to hear a lot of these teaching that you hear here. You know why? Because they're concerned about numbers. I prayed this morning, Lord God, for those who are gone, let them go. Not those who are physically gone, the ones that are still here that need to go. <laughs> okay? That's true. Because if you are here and you're here illegally, you're going to cause us to shipwreck. It's almost as if we have you hostage and we have no hostage. We, don't, we have not taken over what is not called to be here in this branch of Zion. God has called us to be a people and spiritual leaders 
to bring up a disciplined people who desire and seek out truth and can hear it and can digest it and can live it. We're not a ministry that need your money. We only need Holy Spirit so that we can continue to speak his word to those who would hear. That's, that was my prayer this morning, Pastor, that whoever is gone, let them go. Not the ones that are physically gone, but those are here, that are not here, that needs to go. And you don't understand it because other people's lives are at stake because of where we're at and how we don't want to give up our will. It's time now to not keep talking about the elementary things, about being on time, about being at the gathering. These are elementary. You can't deal with a demon because you can't even be on time. He has went before you instead of God going before you and making your way straight. He has made your way crooked. Lord God, I said, why do you give us this type of ministry? Why do you even give us a feel-good ministry so we can pack the house? Because it's not about feel-good. It's about your life really changing permanently for the good. And if you don't want change, then walk a ministry is not the place for you. If you don't want to grow Walk of ministry, again, is not the place for you. If you want to stay the same, you definitely need to go. Because we command in our own house, at home, you are commanded, Al, and you know it, to grow. We can't have anybody around us that don't want to grow. You know why? Because you're going to pull everyone else who spend a lot of time with you trying to get you to grow, and you don't want to grow. And we have those who want to grow, but you don't want to. So you're eating up their time. I want you to know that. Okay, I'm getting the message. I'm in the message, but I'm going to go, ahead deep, I'm going to go deeper. Hello? We, we, yes, Pastor. <laughs> he, he, he said hello. I'm saying hello. But, um. Uh, Teacher, you, you, and I, I, just kind of second, I just really want us to really understand that for us as the body, you have a responsibility, you have a requirement from God to be a disciple. Well, that is a discipline, follower of Christ. I like when, when Jesus said, I, I told them, and because I tell you the truth, you leave me. Or you hate me. And because I'm telling you this is my body, eat of it and drink of it, you leave. But, you, but then you, 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 you use your own will. I told you to have, growth, to have growth and have promotion, there must be discipline. He said who he loves, he chastens. He corrects. So most of the time, we want a, a ministry that there's no correction. 
There's no, there's no conviction of sin. That's not the gospel. Amen. So we're, we're used to just having not the gospel. We're used to tradition. Very accustomed to it. Very accustomed to it. We're very accustomed to it. So I'm at ease. I'm lukewarm, like I taught on, on, two, on Friday night. We're lukewarm. Tissue, please. Go ahead, teacher. I want us to really know, because I had a conversation with an individual this morning. And the individual said, why can't I talk to you all? I said, that's a very good question. Why very can't good. you? Because they weren't getting it. See, when you are in your own reasoning and you operating through your own conscience, because we're going to talk about conscience and we're talking about will, and then I realized that this is exactly how the body of Christ, the majority of the body of Christ operate, just like this. Because and then I, I can hear people say, because you know what I hear children saying, so I hear some adults are thinking like kids, well, why, why in this ministry are we always being corrected? But this is what your children say. Mm -hmm. Why are you always fussing? Mm -hmm. I can't seem to do nothing right. Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't need to think about what you just said. I can't seem to do nothing right. And so when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to correction, this is why we, we get people who leave, because they don't want to grow. They want to do what they want to do, which are called lukewarm Christians. And they're not fully committed. So when you have people who are not fully committed, half then have hardly, then they move and go to a place to where they can be lukewarm. Comfortable. This is why they go to a larger a ministry. You don't have to be accountable. You don't have to be required to grow. You're not required to love. See, mm -mm. see at Walker Ministry, you're required to love. That's the word. <laughs> We're going to allow you to walk wayward. So let's talk about the will of man. Will is the inner man. Mm. Your will is your inner man. It's your mind. It's your, it's your appetites. Mm. It's your emotions. The will of man. This is what consists in, or I'm trying to describe, the will of man. It's in a, a part of you that you can't really, in the natural, really perceive. It's in your innermost part, your will is. It's considered mine, your appetites, your desires. It's your conscience. And conscience is really described like this. It's the voice of ethics mm. and moral principles. That's good. It has a voice. Your will has a voice. And it controls, it controls your thoughts and actions. And it transmits and commands. It transmits commands. Your will does. It, it determines what is good and what is bad. It's like this. It does an analytical report. Mm -hmm. And because of what was put in you and how you you can see what was good and what was bad. It then dictates to you your desires and appetite built on what was really subconscious because it now become in your conscience. 
and an end result, your will is the heart. Mm -hmm. It expresses what is acceptance. What you will accept and what you won't accept. Your will expresses your choices. Your will, you can look at your life as what it is. Oh, come on. Above all else, we must learn how to bring our will into submission and obedience to the will of God on a practical daily hour by hour basis. Above all else, above, above fasting, above all else, this is why I said, if you go on a fast, Y'all know I'm not against fast, but I'm just the reason and how we've been fasting these decades. Is that when you go on a fast, does it really bring about this change that you desire when you've really been on the fast? Did you hear God? Some people, maybe. Some people not. But when you go on a fast, verse is simply, he says, above all else, Submit and surrender your will to the will of God. You know what? That could save you some time being on fast. At least for that reason. Just submit and surrender your will to the will of God. Above all else. That sounds real simple, right? But why is God still seeking your will? Hmm. He's still seeking your will in every part of your relationship with him. Righteous life, purified life, good thoughts, good conduct. He, he's still seeking that, he, your love for the word of God, your hunger for the word of God. He's still seeking because in your will is your appetite. You don't have an appetite for him. And the reason you don't, because we have not, Surrender and submitted our will to the will of God. So this is why see, we come up for a prayer for so many different things. This could just help you. Just come up and say, oh, you know what? I just want you to be in agreement with me that today I'm going to submit and surrender my will and the will of God. Amen. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do that today. You know what? Because my flesh is all out of whack. My thoughts are all out of whack and this and that going on. And I can't seem to break off from these people that don't mean no good. I'm just going to come to you, Greg. I just want to agree. I want you to just agree with me that I'm going to submit and surrender my will to the will of God today. So we can really go forth and advance the kingdom of God. I've just been too emotional. I'm all over the top with what's going on in my life. I can't seem to get things in order. You know what? I just need to submit. Can you just agree with me today? That this, he, there's power in the power of agreement, prayer of agreement. That's right. Okay. I'm just saying we could, we could reduce a lot of unnecessary self-affliction. Amen. Mm. Above all else, he says. Our will is our reasoning, our understanding. So, Pastor, I understood why this morning the individual couldn't perceive that we were trying to help her out. Because our reasoning and understanding has been darkened. 
because of the fall. Our desires were entangled. Your desires, your appetite has been entangled. Trapped. And darkness. And this is why in our situations and circumstances, we, we get entangled in our circumstances and our situation. And it means that you see that you don't have any way out of escape. I'm no way out. I have no recourse except to think the way that I'm thinking, even though it's wrong. And I feel strongly about being wrong. It means that our will is perverted. This is why God seeks still for the will of man. He said, because Avery said, your, your will is darkened, it's entangled. You have too many philosophy and ways of thinking. Tradition. You're reading too many books. I just needed to read the book. You're reading too many quotes. I just need you to read the quote. It's still seeking, Adam. The will of man. When man surrenders his will, believe this, and this is so good, this should set us all truly free. When you surrender your will, minister, the word of God says, it now detaches all the influence of your fall, of the fall of man from everything. See, see, our circumstances and our situation. They attach themselves to us. He said, while you're in the middle of whatever you're going, what's going on with you, he said, just submit your will to my will, and all the influence of your circumstance will break off. Every issue you've been dealing with all these years, the same issue, in my childhood, how I was brought up, all these things, he said, if you would just submit to my will, all the influence of your past will break off. Keep walking. Every issue, and we have a lot of issues. He said, everyone will break off the influence of it. Because it's influenced you to act and think a certain way. I'm saying, but what we won't do is submit to surrender. He said, surrender. Give yourself up. Come on out the house. You're surrounded. Holy Ghost, have you surrounded. Come on out. Come on out. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. He said, the house is surrounded. He said, the spotlight is on you. He said, come on out. He said, Lord, I see what you're doing in the dark. Come on up with your hands up. Oh, surrender. He says, I have your heart surrounded. So let's get an understanding of, of how we're supposed to be 
and his divine will. Let's get an understanding of that. And before we even get into our foundation scripture here, I need to, I need to talk to you about four words that is made up in our lives. First one is needs. That's real deep. I heard it was a, a harmony of, hmm, it was a hum that, I mean, y'all need to join the choir. We, do, we, do we have a choir? We ready to get a choir. We, <laughs> we can have one now. <laughs> Life is, is made up of these four major things. Needs. Second is purpose. Third is power. And believe it or not, the fourth is miracles. And no change in your life is made until there's a miracle. So I'm going to bring you in the real insight of a miracle. You all need a miracle today. You need a miracle in your situation. You need a miracle in your heart. <laughs> That's where the situation, the issues are flowing. You need a miracle in your heart. <laughs> Needs. A person who lives in need will always be at the mercy of Satan. A person who's in need will always be at the mercy of Satan. But you say, well, Lord, how, how can I not be in need? He said, I've given you peace. Nothing missing, nothing like it, and nothing broken. You are hold, he says. How can I never be in need? I've, I've given you my shark shalom. You are to never be in need. God knew what he was doing. For you never to be at the mercy of Satan. See, because now, but you see a need when there's finance. You see a need when you, your body has something. You see a need. He said, I have given you my shar shalom. Will you never have a need again? Because I don't want you to be at the mercy of Satan ever again. Some of the things we go through is the pattern of life through the fall. See, that's a pattern of life. Chance. Chance happened to everyone because that's through the fall. He said, but a direct attack of Satan is different than the ordinary pattern of life. See, we all have some things that we may experience, but that's not from a direct attack from Satan. It's because of the fall. And we need to know and we need to be ensure that we don't put ourselves in direct attack. Who does that? Put me in front of the gun. The gun right. Put me in. I want to be shot. Is that is the gun? Is that the right aim? This is the target right here. This is what we're doing. Direct attack. He said, when you're in need, you're void. This is why you go and do these wild out things. It starts in your heart, then in your thoughts, and then you end up, you know, living it out. You feel void. And you feel void because you don't know how to possess my shalom. I've given my peace. Where he says there is no thing lacking. 
There's no thing like he said. When I give you my shalom, you are not without. So you see that yourself in your situation that you're without. I don't care who's acting up. I don't care who's acting right or wrong. I'm not without. I'm not void. I'm complete. I'm not broken. Because you don't act like you have some sense. You're not going to make me feel void. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me residing. I'm never void. I'm never alone. He said, lo, I'm with you always. He, he just provided a way to where you are to never be at a place to where you're so struck and you've fallen down that you, you seem to be, there's no way out. I'm so depressed. He really, he really created this, um, this, this place to where it cannot be penetrated to where, where his peace is that the enemy can't reach you, but you have to give him access. He said, nothing is missing. Nothing. And if you're walking around something's missing, then you really need to check, have I submitted my will to the will of God? That's the only way. That's the only way. Most people do this when they come to God. They don't come to him on purpose. They come to him on the ability that measure what he can do for them. They don't come to God with a purpose. I come to God. I, I'm coming because it's something that is I self for self. I measure before I come to him what I need. And if you're not taught purpose, you never stay with him. If you're never taught purpose, you would never stay with God. This is why you see people who have walked with him a long time and you see them no more. What happened to my spouse? He was never taught purpose. What happened to my children? They were never taught purpose. So they couldn't stay. And so when you're not taught purpose, this is what happens. I fall back into the fall. I fall back into the fall. Do you hear me? And you wonder why my life is up and down, up and down, because when I, I don't know why I was created. If you're never taught why you were created and why you exist, so if a chair never knows the purpose as to why it was created, it can never serve the purpose. If you're never taught, if you never taught your purpose, why you were created, you have to have someone to speak into your soul. Speak into the spirit of man, the inner most deepest part of you as to why you were created. And when you know why you were created, not only do you stay with God, but you stay with God. Oh, see, this is messing me up. I want to do some running around, but y'all, I can't do it right now. You fall back in. 
into the fall when you, <laughs> when you used to be and how you used to think and start doing the unthinkable things you used to do. And then it gets worse. You do worse than what you used to do because, see, you, you go back and you're real comfortable in the fall now. See, but people purpose. This is, about, this is the difference about people who, who are a purpose and know their purpose. They don't conform. I don't conform by how you think I should act and where I should go and these things. I don't conform. I'm being transformed by renewing of my mind in Christ Jesus. They know who they are. And they, because they know their purpose, they know who they are. And they don't conform to anything else or anyone else. They live their life by design. The question is, are you living your life by design? See, but we got to go off for a conference or, you know, you got to get a, a ticket, you spend your money. It's, it's right here free. I, I, I don't have to travel over another state. So when I was going to my former ministry, I won't travel everywhere. You know why? Because you got to be careful what enter your ear gates. It takes enough for me just to disciple what the man of God is saying here. If you really spend some time on studying, examining, scrutinizing the word of God, I don't know how we can do a lot of traveling here and there and fro and to. And because you'll get twisted because not everyone is rooted in the truth. Design means this. Plan. See, then, it go, then again, it goes right back into purpose. Design also means thought. They live their life by God's divine plan and God's divine purpose. And God says, I know the thoughts. See, I love the Holy Spirit that I have towards you. He says, I know how I have designed your life to be. And it's to bring you to an expected end. Peace and happiness. The reason why something is created is this. It moves you to a resolve. The reason why something is created, it moves it to its goal. The question is, that, do you have a goal in life? What are we teaching our children? Are you just hanging out with them, buddy, buddy? Aaron shouldn't be your buddy. He's your son. Honey, shouldn't be your buddy. She's your daughter. We're not buddy, buddy. I am not your friend. They're your classmates. I am your parent. And the things that I say, most of them you are not going to like. And the reason that you're not going to like them because you're still in your will. And you have not acknowledged that I have, I, have the, I have the preeminence, power, and authority and rule over my house, which means that you're, you're still 
in my house, which means that you are my possession at the time. Children, I'm talking to right now. They don't have a room. Where do kids, where do the parents get it from? That where they allow the kids to dictate to them what to do? I, I want to know. I just got to do a sidebar thing. Parents, some of these parents are doing some things I know our parents back in the day wouldn't even begin to do, and I turned out great. I mean, y'all trap. Y'all do a lot of sacrificing with the kids, but you won't sacrifice God. You won't sacrifice nothing with him, but we, we will sacrifice some things when it comes to the kids. Then they don't know how to talk to you. Give me the reasoning why you are your children's friend. Is that biblical? Let me in on something I haven't read yet. He said that we're supposed to bring them up, instruct them. We are parents, not friends. Watch how you allow your children to talk to you and look at you and move too slow. My kids were getting it. I just didn't see that with that spirit of discernment. I mean, it was hard on the kids because I was discerning your thoughts. What did I do? You just hit me. Yeah, I heard. I heard what you said. But I didn't say nothing. Brother can, brother can attest to that. Standing by me one day, I said, can you please be quiet? I haven't opened my mouth. I said, you are extremely loud. I'm going to tell you right now. But I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. Do you want me to tell you what you just said? Bird to do by first hand, and definitely all my children know. We have to get back on really being parents. There's no way the word of God says, as for my house, we will serve the Lord. Why are your children home and you here? And I mean, while they're here, they're not here. Make sure that they're here. But that means that we have to have church at home, right? So when they come here, it's all strange. And they, they playing with the fingers. They, they, don't, they got the hair twirling in the, in the air. They, they have all these different things going on. You know why? Because they're not hearing this at home. It's not a discipline in the home. So when they come, like, oh, what do we do? Okay, I guess this is what we do, but they're not attached to it. Raise the hand. Stand up. I stand up, but I'm not standing up. They're going to they're gonna grow up and develop into a very rebellious adult. And we need to be careful that we don't become a part of that. So even if my kids, when they get grown, and they are grown, all my kids are grown. You're not going to still talk to me in any kind of way. I can't, it can't be no discrepancy in your voice. And I'm thinking that, you know, your, your option is going up, down, or it's going too deep. And I'm feeling some kind of behavior in your voice tone. 
But we're allowing that. You know what? I can't do nothing with that grown. You only grown out of my sight. <laughs> but if you stand in my presence, you you never grown. Star so said, "Quiz another kid. Can you stand by the peaches or something?" <laughs> <laughs> we got to be careful. We got to be careful because you're still accountable. Yeah. I still can't make them do anything because God can't make you do anything. It still will leave it up to you to make the right choice. There you go. Beautiful. But I'm there as a God as to which way to go. Let's talk about power. Power is the immense love of the Spirit of God that brews over you, in you, and upon you. Mm. It is the authority and dominion of all. Talking about the power of God. It is the strength and ability and might that is inherent, residing in its nature, which a person exudes and put forth. It's the energy and ability that God's give those who love him. Mm-hmm. We could go more on power, but just know that it is the immense love of the spirit of God that broods over you and in you and upon you. It's his authority and his dominion of all. There's no other authority or dominion that's higher than God's power. If I raise a hand, honestly, are you excited to hear the word God? Or are you ready to go? Because those who are ready to go, I want you to go. Your hand up, Dina? Okay, 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 okay. Everybody, hand, I, want, I just want to see because I, I need hearts and minds who want to hear the word Amen. of God. Amen? Amen. Miracles. We're talking miracles. In Hebrew, this is the only word I decided to do in Hebrew because of time's sake, and I thought this was the most <laughs> relevant at this time. It's Ness, N-E-S, miracle. Mm-hmm. N-E-S. And the two letters of Nim and Shamik mm-hmm. are these two letters that's in Ness, which means miracle. Mm-hmm. And see, Ms. Rock, when you study the Hebrew, this is why it's so good. I love it, Pastor. I love that God's giving you this. It brings you into or causes you to desire to be more intimate with God. You won't be surface no more. Come on with it. It won't be I'm just running around. It won't be I'm just falling out because of a word that was spoken. And I'm back up. But now I can't live out. It causes you to live out what you heard and you conceive. Amen. 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 Talking miracle. Ness. N-E-S. The letter Nim represent downfall, suffering, misfortune. The first letter, none, I'm sorry, N, N-U-N, put in quotes, unquote, that's the first letter. It represents downfall, suffering, misfortune. The letter Shemek, Shemek is S-A-M-E-K, and it represents uplifting, salvation, redemption. So on one side, Nesh, what you taught miracles, there is a downfall, suffering, misfortune. On the other side was the second letter. It represents uplifting salvation, redemption. And the combination of these two elements, we are faced with trials and tribulation, and our situation is perilous, so we think. But yet, through divine providence, there's a supernatural occurrence that happens in our life to rescue us and 
proves to us that we are saved. I'm going to give you this. So miracles is this. See, we're looking for or perceive miracle as being the limb that grows out. And, and these are, he said, see, those are wonders. Those are wonders. Hear me. Those are wonders. It make you wonder, don't it? See a limb grow out. Person, you stand in service, they, they lose all this weight and their pants fall off. That is a wonder. That's under the category of miracles. But the heart of a miracle is this. See, this is why we miss a miracle and we run to try to see one, and it's been happening in your life the whole time. We've been missing the miracles. The miracle is this. Is that I'm going to give you an example, Nesh, which is miracle, N-E-S. It's like the rudder on the, on the sailboat. It's the God. It guides the boat. The sail guides the boat. The direction goes in, right? And most likely we're talking about with your body, you are the boat. Holy Spirit is the God. He is the sail. And so he guides your path. Every day is a miracle. Because your path, the end, if the end would have it, it would be destruction. See, 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 we missing the miracle. We missing it. We missing the miracle. We missing the miracle that when you, you ride past, you see this whole line of accident on the interstate, and you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, Lord, let me pray for them. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. But you just saw a miracle. God been guiding you, your path, all day and night long. But we don't see that. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't see that. This, this is why we, we're not excited about the word of God, because we don't see his miracles. We don't see a supernatural occurrence in our life. It's supernatural events that happen in your life every day, but you can't perceive it. Paul wants us to be mindful that we cannot carry out this supernatural work of living as a Christian without a divine assistance. You need divine assistance in your life to carry out this supernatural life. However, we can live a life religiously, a religious life, by taking Christ out of our life. And most of us, we have done that. Ever you stand and read our foundation scripture, Philippians 2, Verse 12 through 13, please. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You in the, what version are you in? Okay, you did your own thing there, okay. Read it, read that again now. And I want you to hear, he said, with deep fear. No, that was good. Oh, that was good. Nothing wrong with that. That was Holy Ghost led. Uh, he said, with deep fear. 
Are we serving God with deep fear? Deep fear. And he says service fear. Oh, um, maybe I shouldn't do this, but okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't think it's deep fear. L. Answer L. I got an NKJV. No, no, I love it. Do that again. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Hold on. Work hard to show that my work that's already done in you, that is real. Work hard to show that the cross, a finished work, is actually finished in you. Work hard to show what's finished, that it is finished in you. When he said it is finished, he said you are supposed to keep displaying it is finished, Greg. All right, son. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Obeying him with deep Obeying him, saying yes to his will, saying yes to his will with deep fear that if I don't do this, not that I'm going to hell, but if I don't do this, I displease my father. I don't bring pleasure to him. Read, minister. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power. Stop. See, the working hard is you just doing it. It's the yes. The working hard is you just surrendering. That's the working hard. The working hard is just saying no to your flesh and yes to Jesus. That is the working hard because he said, I'm the one that's working inside of you. I'm the one that's causing you to live righteous. That's no work that you have to do because that's finished. He said, the only work that you have to do is to surrender your will, that is the work that you do. Go ahead, minister. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, he, you don't have the desire to please him. He said, because you don't, that's all right. None of us do. None of us do. Apostle Paul, none of them did either. They, had, they, didn't, they didn't have the will to do it. He said, so I'm going to give you the will. I'm going to place the will inside of you to give me pleasure. He said, because I know your will is to please yourself. That's good, sir. That's good. He said, but it's, it is God who works. But the struggle is real, isn't it? Struggle, I need to use a street term. The struggle is real. It's real. I can't do it. I just, you know, Lord, the flesh is calling me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's real. I, I mean, I got to go out and do some things that I, I normally don't do. It's, it's real. Y'all don't understand. You, you, you don't understand I'm a, I, I'm, I got addiction, you know. No, my, my husband won't do things right. And the, you, you don't know my home life. The struggle is real. He said, but I've given you. He said, I, for it is God who's 
at work. It's him that's work. How is mm-hmm. the struggle real? The enemy have us so deceived that yes. it's a hard work. I, I got to do it. He's, God says, I'm doing the work. You just got to relinquish your will. I did the work in the beginning, and now I'm sitting the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now he's working inside of you. All, All you, you have to do is surrender. And be led. Wow. He said, I'm, he said it's me working in you both to will and to actually finish it. Mm-hmm. It's, he said, it's me working in you both to give you the desire to want to do it and then actually give you the ability to do it. He said, I'm giving you, I'm giving you desire and the ability. Because naturally you don't have the ability. You hear me, Father? He said, I'm giving you desire, the will, to do what's right. I'm giving you the will to, to say to your flesh, I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to serve you. He said, I'm giving you the will to want to please me and not your flesh. He said, I'm working that inside of you, Cindy. He said, I'm working that inside you so much that I've given you the ability to do it. He said, you have no excuse. But y'all don't understand my, my life and at home and, and why I'm, I be late and why this and that. He said, no, 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 no. I gave you the ability to be here on time. Okay. God is not a God of excuses. He's a God of victory and accomplishments. Because that's what he did. He says, it is finished. Works, for God works. His works are secretly placed in you. By the almighty power of the Holy Spirit. He said, my works are secretly placed in you. He said, "The, the working of the reasoning is placed in you. The, the working of your emotion to bring them in line. He says, he said, I place that in you. The working of your desires should now be the desires of kingdom minded. He said, it's secretly placed in you, minister. See what I'm just saying? I thank God for the ability to will and to do. First of all, wants us to, he wants to first affect our willingness to obey him, to fulfill his good pleasure. So he invites us into his word and to learn of his will. I invite you into my word. I invite you into my will. So you can learn my will. So you can do it. And he says, and all the the book of Psalms, David says, oh, that my people would listen to me and walk in my ways. This is what the Lord is saying about us. He didn't say sinners. He said, oh, that my people would listen. And listen means to obey. He said, oh, that my people will obey me and walk in my ways. Then his word goes out to work within our hearts, convicting us convicts us of the need to obey. See, this is why we stay away. The longer you stay, the easier it is to not obey. Because the more you stay, the more 
that God says, he's my, my word, it goes in you. And it starts to convict you about not obeying me. See, a lot of us not convicted about not obeying God. It starts to nurture in us a love for the word of God. <laughs> that, oh, that thing went deep with you, minister. <laughs> After working in our hearts, a willingness to obey God, the Lord also wants to work in us until we are doing his will. So he initially started working a willingness to obey. I want you to follow me. Yes, willingly and doing are two different matters. Willingly and doing are two different matters. We wrongly assume that once we are willing, that we do. You're willing, but you won't do. Okay. Jesus revealed that the fallacy of this thinking is a well-known warning to his people. Watch and pray lest you enter to temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. But he says, but I've given you the ability. Then he not only says that, he said, but I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've given you the ability to have control over your flesh. I've given you the power to do what you couldn't normally do. The word even teaches us how to cry out to God from an eternal inclination that we need to actually obey his word. That should be a crying out to him. Make me walk in the path of your commands. Make me, Lord God. Let that be the prayer today. Make me walk. <laughs> we spoke about that. <laughs> Walking. Take another step. Make me walk. Make me go forward in your kingdom. Make me move on in the path of your commands. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Our supporting scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 21. God has raised from death our Lord Jesus, who is the great shepherd of the sheep. As the result of his blood, by which the eternal covenant is sealed, May the God of peace provide you with every good thing you need in order to do his will. And may he, through Jesus Christ, do in us what pleases him. And to Christ be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. The word of God is so good. I don't know how your ears are set up, but mine are set up to hear God. <laughs> it sounds good to me. <laughs> God has raised from the dead. He said, I've raised from the dead my son, who is a great shepherd of the sheep. As a result of his blood by which the eternal covenant is sealed, may the God of peace provide you with every good thing you need in order to do his will. I've raised up my son. through his death and by his blood, that you now, have, you now have the ability 
to do all things that are good and that you need in order to do his will. I raised my son for that very purpose, that you have no excuses as to why you can't fully serve me. And to Christ, he says, be glory forever. Amen. I want you to listen to this. Saul was right when he told David this. This is an example of man's way and God's way. David was uh, being presented to, to fight against the Philistines, right? When that's the first Samuel. And Saul was right when he told David this. It's first Samuel 17, 33. We're not going to read that. He says, you are not able to go against these Philistines and fight them. He said, David, you are not able to go against these Philistines and fight with them. He was right in saying that because he said, you are not able. Hear me, you are not able. He said, because, he said, this Philistine from birth, he was a warrior. In his youth, it says that in his youth, he was battling. See, and David was in small stature, how they described him. He said, you're not able. You are not able. But David, see, David didn't initially understand. He said, but wait a minute. You know, the Lord, he, he freed me from, from the mouth of the lion and the bear, the trapping of the bear. And he said, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Man way. So Saul began to put on all this armor on David. Putting all this armor on him. But then David said, I love this. He said, I haven't tested these. Oh, glory. Oh, glory to God. He says, I haven't tested these. You're putting all this armor on me. You give me someone else's sword and, and the breastplate and, and, the, and, the, and the shoes are shod with. He said, but I haven't tested these. He said, I can't walk with them. That is another teaching altogether. <laughs> See, that was man's way. Man's way was let, let me, let me, because the Philistine from their youth, they've been training to be warriors. Do you hear me from their youth? How are you training your kids? How are you training them? How are you training? Are you training them to be warriors? Are you training them to let them know that when you fall into some kind of temptation or, or circumstance, that this is not the end of you, that you've been born to be a warrior, to overcome, that you are a victor? Have you trained your children and their youth to be battlers? Have you trained them? So we're not whining, we're not, we're not complaining. As in when we grow into adults, we're still whining, we're still crying, and we're still complaining because you haven't been trained in your youth to be a warrior. Oh, come on now. Come on, take them down, take them down. And he's, <laughs> I love it, I love it. He said, I haven't, I haven't tested these things, and I can't walk with them. But God's way is 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and, 
and with a spear and with a javelin. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He said, this day the Lord will deliver your head in my hand. He said, I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcasses of the camp out to those birds in the air and the wild beasts of the earth. He said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in me. <laughs> I don't need man's armor. I don't need man's way of doing things. He said, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to use his name. <laughs> I'm going to use his name. The God of Israel. The armies of God. Oh, he's with me. He said, I will take your head this day. <laughs> Glory to God. See, this is what you have to tell your enemy. This is what you have to tell Satan. This is what you have to tell your circumstance and your, your situation. I'm going to do it God's way. And God says to use his name in full authority. <laughs> in the name of the Lord of Israel. <laughs> I take over my life. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> He said, today, they will know that there is a God in me. <laughs> hey, hey, there's a God in me, the true and living God. Oh, come on, Dad, you got to say that. Y'all you, got to go home today and look at your circumstances. And before you go home, and say, that is a God, the true and living God is in me. Oh, I thank you, Lord. <laughs> you better go ahead and run and stop sitting down then. You better run. You better run. I told y'all, y'all free up in here. You, you better run. You better run. You are free in here. You better run. Run, run, run in your spirit. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, I thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God. Oh, see, that's what the word it does. It's a quickening in you. You're free in here. If it's an order, you're free. That's an My order. God. Hallelujah. That's an order. My God. Glory think, to God. I think we got a runner. <laughs> Glory to God. We need to know, real quick, we need to know, to do God's will requires repentance. To do oh, God's that. will, it requires repentance. Without repentance, get this. Without repentance, your faith is held hostage. Oh, come on, come on. Come. God did an oh, extraordinary teaching today, didn't he? Didn't he do extraordinary teaching? Glory to God. Without repentance, faith is held hostage by the lawlessness of sin. I need you to hear me. To do the will of God, repentance is required. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My fan may be in my purse that's behind me. Glory to God. Therefore, if we would be holy, we must know intimately the person whom the Bible calls the word. You must intimately know him. Glory to God. Treasure the word of God. The book of Psalm 119, 9 through 11 talks about to love it even as it's, as a, our, our, it's, it's priceless and to also be afar off. It should also divide our soul and also our spirit because the word, it divides. It divides. We are to remain fully vulnerable. You hear me? To the word of God. 
even as the word judges the thoughts and intentions of your heart, he said, still remain vulnerable to be cut by the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Allow it to expose you, to set you free, and to motivate you, and then heal your wounds after it gets finished wounding you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It is to expose. You see, we don't like to be exposed. We don't like to be exposed, but put, now that's what needs to be put on display too, our, our beaches, our, our, our hearts. Our hearts need to be put on display. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's supposed to heal us and, and penetrate deeply into every core of our being. See, we are preventing the word to reach every part of us, the very core of us. We are to read with an attitude of willingness to, to serve God, humility, repentance. And even if you can't fully obey the word, hold on to it. Even if you can't fully obey the word of God, hold on to it. He said, don't let me go. Because if you keep holding on to me, it's going to cause you to have a desire to obey me. He said, just don't let it go. Just don't let my word go. See, when you first hear, you can't fully obey the word of God because your mind and your own reason is trying to uh, say why you don't have to do it. But the word of God said, just hold on to it. Hold on to it in your heart. He said, don't let it go. Many times before we're able to obey the word of God, we must make, we must make ourselves to keep it. As I said, God must work in you both to will and to do because God is working on you to will and to do. He said, just hold on to my word and the Holy Spirit is going to make the word in you to be willing to actually do it. So you keep saying, but I'm trying. No, he said, just only thing you need to try to do is to hold on to the word of God. He said, that will cause you, Ava, to will and to do. And if you continue to hold on to it, he said, it will then bring you grace and transformation. It's going to bring you grace and transformation. See, the grace is going to give you now a, a supernatural, over-the-top ability that you didn't think you had. That strength that when you ran up now, you got more strength than you ever had before. It's going to give you that grace and ability. Oh, you thought you could play? Oh, you're going to really be able to play now. See, you really, see, God can really use you now. He said, because you held on to my word. You See, and this is the suffering. This is the suffering that you hold on to the word of God. This is the suffering. Oh, see, yeah, come on. He says, suffer with me. The suffering with him is holding on to his word until it brings into the very core of you the willingness to do and to obey. Don't let it go. And then he said, you're going to receive a requirement for the fruitfulness, an honest heart. But without love of the truth, this is why I said this ministry is based on truth. Every ministry should. But we, we, we really command truth here and that you live in truth. He said, for with that you will have, you will have now an honest heart. For without love of truth, no error of our life can be corrected. Without the love of truth, you can't be corrected. If you don't start loving the truth, you're going to remain the same. If you don't start loving correction, you're going to remain the same. Your anointing, there'll be no increase in level of your anointing because you don't want to be corrected. Love the truth, he says. Because he said deception 
isn't apparent. You don't, you don't see deception. Listen close. The enemies lie into, into our mind and whispers. It walks in darkness. We must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ because the enemy, he whispers. There's another voice. So if we would discern the voice of iniquity, we must recognize, hear this, sin engulfs the mind in a cloud of abyss and covers it up as if it seeks to keep itself alive. See, now I'm going to say that again because this is what happens. See, this is what we're not discerning, the voice of iniquity. We must recognize that this is what sin does. So when you allow sin to operate in your life, it does this. It engulfs your mind. It takes hold of your mind as a cloud in the abyss. And it covers up as it seeks. It covers up your mind as it seeks to keep itself alive. The sin is trying to keep itself alive in your mind. Y'all not here. This is how you keep doing the same thing over again. Because we have allowed sin to remain alive too long in our lives. He said, and it starts to develop a cloud over your mind. See, in a cloud you can't see. You, you have no perception. You, 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 you have no direction at all. So whatever happens to you, now that what will be, will be. Because you have no control over your life. Because sin has, it has created an abyss. It's a deep I mean, it's not only dark, but then it's deep. It has no end to it. And, and, and it's so smart that it, sin has a personality. Sin has a personality. It knows how to live. and knows how to, to exist inside of you and to deceive you by thinking it doesn't exist. Okay, it twists, it distorts the truth, and without plans for repentance, it calmly reassures us God understands. Hear me, it twists, it distorts the truth, but you still think it's the truth. And without the plans of repentance, it calmly, see, it's not doing anything disruptive in your life, it calmly reassures you, almost soothing, like you need, so you, you get comfortable with it. It makes you think that it, it, it should be here. It assures you. And it makes, it, it begins to tell you that God understands what you're going through. I mean, he understands. It's okay to keep shacking. He, see, see, he, he makes you, he, he kicks the talking to you. He understands, you know, eventually I'm going to stop doing this, but right now I, I can't, I can't, you know, I, maybe if I just get, you know, more, more, one more smoke or something, I'll be all right, you know. But God, he understands that I'm really struggling right now. He understands this. He understands that, you know, I'm doing yoga, but there ain't no real problem because, you know what, God, I mean, is that going to send me to hell? No, but it's going to set you apart in, uh, uh, in darkness until when you can't really perceive truth. It's going to distort. It's going to twist. It twists. That's what things that are not, Holy, that's what they do. They twist and distort. If I do this, is this going to send me to hell? I mean, well, surely this, this can't condemn me. No. But if it's not of God, it's planned because it has, a, it has a personality. It has an assignment to distort, to twist the truth. 
Oh, glory, glory, glory. <laughs> so he says, each, <laughs> each area of our life where truth is not ruling has for it has for its substitute an activity of error. Listen, each area of our life where there is no truth ruling, it has a substitute. So obviously where there is no truth, it has the activity of error ruling. It has a substitute because something has to rule, right? Okay, so if truth is not ruling, the activity of error is ruling. Wow, wow. We, I, we should, I mean, our life should drastically change after this message. I just... God, I mean, my hair's all over my head. I know how I look right now, but I, I'm just. <laughs> wow. Proverbs 29 one says, A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Proverbs 29.1. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. A child, whether a child in age and adult is acting like a child, after so much reproof has been given to you in correction, and you still refuse it, and you still refuse it, and you still refuse it. This is why I know it with a lot of women. This is why, why it's breaking your heart, because you see with your spouse that if he keep doing this, if he keep doing this, I know that he's going to go beyond Remedy to be even an opportunity to enter the kingdom of God. He said, you're going to be beyond. Remedy means that there, there's, no, there's no help. There's, there's no medication. There's no remedy. That, okay. He said, you're hard in your neck. After much reproof. See, and this is what happened. And this is why I was talking about this this morning. I was talking about my grandmother, and she's dead and gone, is that she had 14 kids, and all of her boys, she had, I don't know, probably at least probably about seven or whatever, eight boys, and each one of them went to jail. Every one of them. She went there every time to go see them. Word her to death, she died at a very young age. High blood pressure. See, See, this is what the kids do, even when they're young. How you upset your parents. How you stress out your parents. And then how they feel that they have to give you everything that you ask for. And if not, you think I'm a bad parent. You're lucky I'm not your parent. Because I don't never care about how you feel. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do as a parent to raise you. But your feelings and how you think I'm going to be, you can write on your headstone, she was not a good mother. And it would not bother me. See, you all are too moved by your kids. You need to be moved more by God. Move the idols out of the way. Be aware. It's easy to fake Christianity. Examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Examine you. So I don't have to examine Test yourself, it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself? That Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fall and you fail the test. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Do you not recognize this about you? 
that you don't love nobody? Do you not recognize this about you, that you're okay with things that are not of God? Do you recognize this about you? Okay. He said, you examine yourself. Now, for certain, the moment we stop obeying God, this is for certain. We, we start faking Christianity. So I was like, wait a minute here. You saying, I, you know, when I, yep, when teacher Mel stopped obeying God, she's faking Christianity. When you stop obeying God, you start faking Christianity because you are fake and you're fraud because you're not obeying God. He said, the moment you stop obeying God, you start faking your call has been called a child of the Most High God. Those are his. They they do his will. If Christ is within us, we should be living holy, powerful lives. No excuses. No excuses to be normal because you're not normal. Wow. Conclusion. Jesus wants, and this is, this is to prove to you from the beginning of service and the worship, the minstrel, Rocket, where is she? She did that rap. She snuck that up on us. She snuck it on us. I'm trying to tell you, I'm like the ones that is. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> Where, where, where can <laughs> y'all get? We, see, we get real comfortable and tradition, right? See, but if you can perceive and see God, and so when you see or hear, you should know how to hear. And so, okay, so then, Mister Al, they was going with the stepping and keep stepping, going forward in the kingdom of God. Don't matter what happens, right? Keep stepping. Then Rocky, she, she, she did the rap, and then I'm like, God, she brought me out my study. It was just, you know, and I, you know, really ministry. See, now, if it wasn't of God and was out of order, y'all, first of all, you know I would have said something. See, chaos, but it continued in sync. And then as Pastor was getting up, and then, 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 um, then Providence Carolyn, she, she, be, see, we're, I'm see, y'all know what? Everybody leave, leave the sister alone. Matter of fact, y'all leave yourself alone when it comes to what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do. God, I, see, because we have to recognize, and why I'm saying that is because, you know, we misunderstand God, not people. That's right. Do you hear me? Oh, sure. See, now, isn't it? Go ahead. He's on me right now. I'm telling you, we misunderstand God is not people. See, because I had to say, see, because we began to, we, we, were, we were close, but now I know, I know Carolyn now by her spirit. That's right. So, I, you know, first I'm trying to understand, because I know God's, my ear got to be tuned in, I'm, so I'm, I'm tuning in. Okay, God, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I got my, my reasoning out of my ear so I could hear God. 
See, when you get your own thoughts out of your ears, you can actually hear the thoughts of God. Mm -hmm. See, there is a purpose and there is a plan for God's people. You may not see it. You may not ever see it. That's right. But I pray that you see your own. If you don't see anybody else, see your own. And so when she said heart, you know what? Then pastor. I had already had. And you had already had it. About the inner heart. I was talking about the empty heart. And the empty heart. That was already done before I even saw her today. And then the Old and New Testament. I'm like, God, I mean, come on. What is he saying? They were confirming it. And then now the end, you see, they ain't gonna pastor that did one. not get my notes. I don't have a He note. never gets my notes. <laughs> Obviously, nobody gets his either. Uh, I do send my notes out. He don't even send his out. But anyway, that's another day, another time. Covering his notes. We're going to pray for pastor not to cover his notes. Everybody stretch your hand. Not to cover your notes. Y'all stretch your hand to pastor. <laughs> not to cover his notes. <laughs> so uh, the conclusion is this. It is Matthew 7, 21, that pastor had said earlier. Mm-mm-mm. And I was like, I know we just going God, crazy. I've seen you show up, but you don't show completely out today. <laughs> they don't, maybe they don't understand this. I don't know. Do y'all understand this? So Jesus warns his disciples, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Amen. To will and to do, to will and to work. Because God says, I'm the one that's doing the will and to do that's inside of you. He says, I'm doing both. I just ask you to surrender your will. Amen. Pray that you definitely have been really enriched by the word of God and you're able to really live this out. I'm praying that your heart, it has, the, it has a love for truth. Amen. Amen. Praying that today that your lives are changing, your children's lives are changed. I'm praying that when you, you go home, you really start to train your kids for battle. Really train them for this world. Because this world is set up for destruction to destroy them. Amen. Make it a little easier for them than it was for you. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. I love you. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God.